Philippians chapter 3 is, uh, we've been in the book of Philippians one chapter a week, just kind of taking a few verses out of each chapter that I felt like have really applied to the transition that we're in right now. And I have, I think I shared with you guys, I know I did, that early this year I started reading through Philippians and I don't even know how many times I read through it. This book got me through. This book, how many know the book gets you through, huh? And this, this particular letter in the book, this letter, this letter to the Philippian church has so carried me over several months as I, as I processed, you know, what was going on. And I felt like it was so speaking to where we are and where we're going, both where we've been, where we are, and where we're going, that I couldn't help myself but uh, spend some time with you guys in the last few weeks as one of your senior pastors. And we're in chapter three this week talking about a positive transition and how we are partners in this positive transition to our new senior pastors that are coming in in just a few weeks. So Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, and again, I know Paul is writing this to the Philippians, but please hear this from Tana, hear this from me this morning. Our beloved ones, that's how we feel about you guys. Don't ever limit your joy. I don't think that's going to be a problem at Destiny, but I just want to go ahead and say it. Don't throttle your joy. Don't, this is a joyful church, isn't it? That's not changing. If anything, it's going to go into a higher gear as our new leaders come in. Don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. I don't mind repeating what I've already written. (laughs) I don't mind repeating what I've already preached for 20 years. I don't mind repeating it because it protects us. And then he says this, beware of those religious hypocrites. The actual Greek is dogs. Paul was using some strong language here. He said, beware of the dogs who teach you that you should be circumcised to please God. So he's saying guard against religion, right? And can I, can I say this a different way this morning? I don't want us to look around for the religious people around us because Jesus loves everybody the same, whether they're religious or free or totally don't have anything to do with anything to do with religion or non-religion or whatever. He loves everybody the same. So our eyes are not looking around scanning for those religious dogs that might be around us this morning. I want to know if there's a religious hypocrite in me. That's what I'm looking out for, that I don't allow myself to become religious. Guard against that. For we've already experienced heart circumcision. And we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are not a religious church, are we? We're not a church that's bound by, when I use the word religion, I use it in this way, doing something to get God to love you. I'm using it in that way. Doing something to get God, or not doing something to get God to love you more. How many know God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to us, right? Not because the world was doing something right or avoiding doing things that were wrong. Jesus came because of his love and because of Papa's love. So we're not a religious house, we're a relationship house. 
So in your notes, you can write this. We are partnering in spirit-led worship that magnifies Jesus. We are partnering in spirit-led worship that magnifies Jesus. That has always been, for 20 years, the heartbeat of this house. That we don't have a song service. We have a worship service, right? How many of you enjoyed Ethan leading his first time this, this morning, huh? Come on, a little more than that. I'm not talking about Ethan Walter up here, all right? Wow. I'm so proud of him. He led worship for the first time at Kids Camp this last week, and we just kind of rearranged this schedule a little bit this morning so we could get him here right away so he could start leading worship for you guys. I believe he's going to be one of the worship leaders that God is going to use in this house, amen, that he's raising up because he's got a heart to be led by the Spirit of God and to lift up Jesus. We are a spirit-led worshiping house. Part of our mission statement is helping the spiritually hungry experience God through free and open worship. Actually, there were some of our leaders when we first began Destiny and we were in church plant training and we were writing that mission statement. Some of those that were coaching us said, you probably shouldn't use those words free and open because you have no idea what kind of door you might be swinging for some kind of craziness. Like people that think they're a living shofar and go, huh, during services. You remember that message, right? You never know what might happen when you use language like that. People might start waving banners. People might start dancing. People might start singing at the top of their lungs. Maybe they'll raise their hands. They might even clap. Even old Dave Tenefus might tap a toe. you got to be careful, right? <laughs> With free and open worship. But that's who we are. It's who we've always been. And in your notes, God is sending us. This is the beautiful thing, guys, of all the different pastors that could have come and, and who Foursquare could have chosen to place as our senior pastors. God is sending us spirit-sensitive pastors with a passion for his manifest presence experienced through free and open worship. That is the heartbeat of Sean and Deanna. They love the manifest presence of God. They love being led by the Spirit. Let me tell you a story about Deanna. So maybe around 2004-ish, somewhere in that, when we were looking for a new building, and we were over on Elk Street. Anybody remember the Elk Street building? Some of you been around for a while? We were over on Elk Street, and we were meeting in the Civic Center and hotels because we'd outgrown the building. And, and we were in that whole process of looking for a building. We, every Saturday night, back in those days on Saturday nights is when we did our prayer. And so every Saturday night, we would gather and pray, and we'd pray about this new building. And God, show us the new building. And one Saturday night during prayer, Deanna Drew, what looked like the destiny sign. You know what our sign looks like? You know what it looks like? It kind of looks like, you had it up there a minute ago. Can you switch back to that? Um, I, I know I'm throwing a curveball at you, Mike. But if you, can, if you can throw our destiny, let's see if it looks like, you can't really see it here, but on the outline of it, it actually goes in a little round circle around it, and then it goes uh, down on the bottom of it. But it's round on the top, and then a rectangle on the bottom. She drew that. She said, our new building is going to look like our sign. That's what she said at prayer one Saturday night. 
Our new building is gonna look like our sign. Have any of you ever looked at this building from the outside? What it looks like as it goes up with the little round circle and it goes across there? We didn't even catch that until after we'd moved in. Wow, you think you'd catch that a little earlier than that, right? That is the heart of Deanna. She's wanting to hear and see what is Holy Spirit saying and what is he speaking. And she was a part of the puzzle of helping us get where God wanted us to go. I believe she's also going to be the, a part of the puzzle of helping us step into the next place that God wants to take us, huh? As one of our new senior pastors. You know Sean, right? Sean's led you in worship. Those of you that have been around for a while, it's been eight or nine years since Sean was on staff here, he and Deanna. But Sean was very involved in worship, and he's been back and led worship a lot of times. He is so open to, as a worship leader, the direction. I can remember one time in a fire conference, we were leading, he was one of the people leading worship, and he literally began to feel his, I think it was his hands that were burning and on fire with the presence of God. And he saw God do some amazing things that summer in the camps that he was serving in where the fire of God brought deliverance and healing to all kinds of people, kids that were in these camps. He's a spirit-sensitive man. Deanna's a spirit-sensitive woman. We're not sacrificing anything there. God is sending us spirit-sensitive leaders that understand and believe that the manifest presence of God, when I say his manifest presence, we understand and believe very we really believe this here. We are not a group of people that get together and worship so God will show, show up. We get together and worship a God that's always present, that's always with us. We are not orphans begging an absent father to come and visit us. God is very much here. You brought him. You packed him this morning. You brought him with you. He is in us. He is around us. So when we worship, when I use the word manifest presence, we believe that the very present God makes his presence known in a tangible way. Like we can sense. See, you, there's one, it's one thing to know God's here. It's another thing when we know. You know what I'm talking about? That God is, it's not that he shows up. It's that he shows off. And he manifests his presence in a powerful way as we worship him. One of our key scriptures from the time we began destiny was Psalm 22, 3. God, you are the Holy One. You sit as king upon the praises of Israel. Some translations will say you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now, for an Old Testament perspective, that would be that, you know, God kind of just shows up when we praise him, but that's not the New Testament perspective. The New Testament perspective is he's Emmanuel, God with us, God in us, he is here. We don't get more of God than we already have. He gets more of us, right? He's already here, but what does happen, this idea of building a throne for him is that the very present God manifests himself in a way as king to do the business of the kingdom. And the good news for us, the kingdom is all about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He manifests rightness. He makes, you know what justice is? Kings are just, right? Justice is a great definition Making wrong things right. As we worship God, things that are wrong get adjusted and made right. And we don't even know what happens sometimes. 
Sometimes bodies are healed. How many know a broken body is not right? And when we worship God, in the midst of worshiping him, he manifests his healing power in our bodies. And many people have been healed just in the midst of worship. Without anybody even laying hands on them. Like, oh my gosh, I was healed. I didn't even know it because my eyes were so focused on Jesus and not on my pain. Right? I was magnifying him instead of magnifying my problem. Instead of, oh God, please heal me, please heal me, please do something, please do something. Oh God, you are great. You are awesome. You are healer. You are deliverer. You are mighty. You are holy. You are powerful. And as we exalt and as we bless him, he does the stuff. Right? So our new pastors believe that, guys, that God is enthroned and does the business of the kingdom. And I I just added this in in your notes. You can write it. I believe that Pastor Sean is one of God's best worship leaders. He's not just sending us another worship leader. There's lots of worship leaders. I, somebody, I think Sean reposted that I had posted a few years ago. I don't even know how long ago it was. I had posted Sean was in town. And I said, I am co-leading with Sean this week. All is right in the world. That's how I really feel, right? I love it. It's like, ah, yes, this is exactly how it's supposed to feel. I love co-leading worship with Pastor Sean. He's one of God's best. He's spirit sensitive. And I am honored that I get to spend at least the next year. I get to spend the next year. I'm here for another year for sure, guys. I get to spend another year of my life working under Sean's leadership as a worship leader. I am so honored and so excited for this next season of where worship is about to go. I mean, we're about to go somewhere together to boldly go where no man has gone before, right? That's what we're getting ready to do. We're going to beam me up. That's right, Gary. Beam me up, Jesus. Okay, verse 9. So then Paul goes, continues, Tan and I, this is our heart. Our passion (laughs) is to be consumed with Jesus, not clinging to our own righteousness based in keeping the written law. Do you see Paul hammering on this religious mindset, right? Hammering on legalism. He says, our righteousness is, will be his. By the way, that's the only kind, actually. There is no other real righteousness outside of Jesus' own righteousness that he imputes and imparts to us. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. You can write this if you would in your notes. We're partnering in keeping the focus on Jesus. We are partnering in keeping the focus on Jesus. We've talked about that in different ways throughout this series. It's not about Brent and Tana. It's not about Sean and Deanna. We're excited for the leadership God has provided over the years, the various leaders that have been a part of this house. We're excited for our new pastors that are coming. But ultimately, our focus is never on our pastors. Hello, right? There are no perfect pastors. There's no such thing, right? Our focus is on Jesus, and that will always be the focus of destiny. Specifically, and Paul talks about this, that in this passage, talking about where our identity and where our righteousness comes from. And you know, it's destiny is a house that emphasizes 
living from our new creation identity. Living from who we are in Jesus and because of Jesus. Focusing on our new creation identity, not focusing on, oh, I better look at and micromanage all of the bad things that I'm doing in my life. I need to really always, every day, hyper-focus on the bad stuff, because if I focus on the bad stuff, I can get the bad stuff fixed. Has anybody tried that and it worked real well for you? I mean, as long as you're still hyper-focused on you and introspective, and your eyes are on you and your eyes are on your junk, that it doesn't work, does it? That's what I've experienced in my life. But when my eyes are on Jesus, when I'm looking at who he is, as he is, John said, so are we in this world. So when I'm looking at him as he is right now, that I manifest who he is right now in my life. It's not a one-time thing. It's a moment-by-moment focus on Jesus, right? The fight is over the focus, isn't it? The fight is always over our focus. Either we will focus on ourselves, we will focus on our problems, we will focus on our junk, or we will focus on Jesus and his righteousness, which is now our righteousness, and live from our new creation identity. I've preached this before, but you and I do not have two natures living on the inside of us, an old nature and a new nature duking it out. We have one nature, our new nature. Who we are in Christ. The other old self, the old nature, Paul teaches was crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. Dead, D-E-D. So we don't want to be carrying our old nature around like weekend at Bernie's, right? Propping it up, trying to act like it's alive when it's not, right? Dead. The old nature's dead. We are brand new right now. Brand new in Jesus Christ. In your notes, we believe that Jesus' righteousness is our righteousness. There is no other righteousness. We are, next bullet, a house of internal transformation, not external religious conformity. We know that transformation happens from the inside out, not the outside in. If it could have happened from the outside in, we would not have had a reason for Jesus to come. The law was about external, actually, The law was about us finding out we couldn't do it. That's really what the law was about. The law was about us falling at Jesus' feet and saying, you know what? I am incapable apart from you, right? It was about external conformity. But Jesus is about internal transformation. Romans 12 says that we should not be be conformed to the image of the world, but be what? transformed metamorphosis is where we get our word metamorphosis by the renewing of your minds right Romans 12 2 don't be conformed to this world but be transformed that word transformed is the same word that's used of Jesus when he was transfigured before his disciples remember the story right Jesus is there before his disciples on the mountain. Peter, James, and John are hanging out with them. They're kind of sleepy. All of a sudden, they wake up. They see Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And Jesus is so bright, they can't even hardly look at him because he has been metamorphosis has happened. Metamorpho, the Greek word for transformed, transfigured. He's been transfigured before their eyes. 
a, a while back that really captured my attention because I, I started thinking, in that moment when Jesus was transformed, same word used about us, when he was transfigured, did he become something he wasn't? Or was it that what he already was was revealed? Ooh, that's a big difference, isn't it? Man, that gripped me. Oh, my goodness. That Jesus, his transfiguring, his transformation was the revealing of his true identity, who he really was. It's the same for us, guys. We're not transformed from a piece of junk a little by little, and we get a little bit better and a little bit better. No, what happens is we are forever made righteous and perfect, sons and daughters of God right now, kings, royalty, supernatural beings, spirit beings that temporarily live in a physical body, right? That's who we are. So when we are transformed, our mind is renewed to the truth of our actual identity now. And then we begin to manifest in this moment. As our minds are transformed, we come into agreement with what is true and what is reality. And when you know truth, truth makes you free, right? We are a house that believes in internal transformation. That our lives look different on the outside because we find out who we really are on the inside. And as we find out who we really are on the inside, as my friend Quincy, Pastor Quincy Goodstar says, right believing produces right behavior. Doesn't work the other way around. Right believing changes our behavior. Our outside is transformed because our mind comes into agreement with who we are. We believe in internal transformation. And I love this in your notes. Our new pastors are not religious but I tell you what they are. They are passionately consumed with Jesus. So whatever we may walk through with them as they grow in who God has already called them to be and who they already are. This is, they are pastors. As they grow in that, here's what I know. The whole time, they are consumed with Jesus. That's good enough for me right there. They want what Holy Spirit wants. That's good enough for me. So I'm excited to walk with them as they discover who they are as our senior pastors. And we get to walk that out with them. What a privilege, huh? God is not only entrusting them with us, guys. He's entrusting us with them. And we get to encourage them and support them and rejoice with them as they walk out the calling that's on their lives as our pastors. What a joy. What a joy that we have together to do that. Amen? All right, let's look at verse 12. He says, I admit, we admit together that we haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that we're pursuing, right? But we run with passion into Jesus' abundance so that we may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called us to fulfill and wants us to discover. We, we do not depend on our own strength to accomplish this. However, we do have one compelling focus. We forget all of the past. Ooh, that's a, quite a word, isn't it? We celebrate the past. But we're not looking to rediscover or even see the past re-manifest. I thank God for Elk Street. I thank God for our basement and the zebra that got slain in the spirit every week. I thank God for Elk Street. I thank God for all the places that we were together and how we saw God do amazing things. 
That's not where my eyes are focused. That has built a foundation that's strong and solid. What God has done for 20 years has built a foundation that's strong and solid. But I love this next part. We forget the past as we fasten our hearts on the future. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? Our hearts are fastened on the future. We're not present past. We're present future. We're, we're looking into, God, what are you going to do? What is your heart? We're imagining together the incredible future. Why not imagine it? He says he'll do abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. So we begin to imagine this future that God has for us. We fasten our hearts there. And then he says we run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus I like this. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. I believe that's a lot of people in this room. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. Don't you love that? Not only are we not looking around for the people who are religious, we're also not looking around to see who's not quite as spiritual as me, right? Right? Our eyes are on Jesus. And if somebody isn't quite passionate as we think they should be, Paul says God will take care of that, right? God will reveal that to them. But let us advance together. Nobody left behind. That's my declaration. That's my prayer through this transition. No one's left behind. No one's left behind. Let us all uh, advance together to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. In your notes, we are partnering and continuing to cultivate hunger and passion from a place of fullness. Oh, my goodness. I wish I had a week on this right here. Hunger and passion from a place of fullness. We have always said we're a spiritually hungry church. How I used that in 1998 is not how I say that today in 2018. For me, in, in 1998, it was, I'm depleted, I don't have enough. Oh God, please, please come. That is where I was then. It's not where this house is now. It's, it's not where we are. We have, you know, I've, a couple of quotes from John Crowder, I felt like really said this the way I want to say it. Listen to how he says this. Never again fall for the catchphrase of today prompting you to get hungry for God. How can I do that when I've been feasting on the lamb? The admission of hunger is an admission of lack. A hungry child is a sign of bad parenting. <laughs> it is an assertion that Christ's sacrifice was not a good enough meal for you. Do you need something more than his cross? Let the cross be the only thing that mesmerizes you. Stop begging for things that he's already given. Stop asking from an old covenant perspective. He has already poured out all of heaven, all that heaven has to offer. That's quite a statement, isn't it? This is worth taking home and meditating on right there. So you say, well, wait a minute, though. Hold on just a minute. You keep saying we're spiritually hungry. I do not think it means what you think it means, right? What are you talking about? Because our very mission statement says... Helping the spiritually hungry experience God. That is still the same statement, but listen to this next quote because it really frames it, I think, in a biblical way. Yes, the unquenchable hunger to explore the depths of him is born from above, but striving attempts to get more of a God you already have is indicative of unbelief. You are not an outsider. It is time to discover the riches that we already have in Christ. You can write in your notes, there is more to explore. That's what we're hungry for, right? We're not hungry for an absent God that we wish would show up. Mm -mm. Jesus came. 
Oh, he came and he's not leaving. His spirit is here right now in fullness. You didn't get a baby Holy Spirit. Baby Jesus didn't move in you inside of your manger heart. Full developed Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. The spirit of Christ that raised him from the dead. Whoa, Romans 8 says, I almost preached, I almost preached. The spirit that raised him from the dead lives on the inside of you and me. That's the spirit that's in us. So our hunger is I want to know him more. I want to explore the depths of what already is. I want to explore the depths of my relationship with him and my identity in him and his love for me and seeing how far that he will allow us to see. We think all this good stuff that's going to happen in the millennium someday when Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom. You know what? What if we, what if we said, I wonder how much of that could happen now? How much of heaven could manifest in that kind of hunger is what we're going to continue to cultivate at Destiny. Oh, I got I to finish. Okay, verse 20. But we are a colony. Oh, this is so good. We are a colony of heaven on earth. We are a colony of heaven on earth as we cling tightly to our life giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you write in your notes? We are partnering in releasing heaven on earth. Oh, that's the heart of your new pastors too. Our pastors are coming with a passion to see heaven manifest on earth. That's all of our heart. That's why we're in this house. That's why we've been a part of this house, all of us that are a part of it, is because we believe that God wants to manifest heaven on earth. And we believe Genesis 28. Oh, it's so good. There's so much in this right here. Go back and, and meditate on this one. Genesis 28 is when Jacob's having the vision of the ladder that goes from heaven to earth, and he makes this statement, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So in other words... The house of God is the gate of heaven. The house of God who, what, where's the house of God now? Right here, right? Us, not this building. Thank the Lord for the buildings. We steward the property, but the property's not the church, right? We are the church. We are the house of God. You individually, Paul teaches both. You as an individual are the house of God. We together are the house of God. In Genesis, we're told that that house of God is the very gateway access point. It's how heaven invades earth. You are how heaven touches earth. You are the way it happens. You, Destiny Foursquare Church. You, I'm, and I could say that way bigger than destiny. It's every believer. It's every believer. But today we're talking about our transition and our passion and our hunger as a local church. This local church has a passion to be the gateway to express what heaven looks like. Jesus told us to pray that way. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In fact, if you translate it properly, here's how it translates properly. Come your kingdom, be done your will on earth as it is in heaven. If he taught us to pray that, I bet it's his will. I bet it's his will that healing. How many, is anybody sick in heaven? Is anybody depressed in heaven? Nobody's depressed in heaven. Is anybody broke walking around heaven for a handout? No. It's not happening in heaven, right? It is happening on earth. And there's no condemnation for any of us on earth that are walking through that. But what we're hungry for 
is to see what is true in heaven be true on this earth, not someday in the sweet by and by. We've been preaching this for a long time. We're gonna be preaching this. Your new pastors are gonna be preaching this. It is our passion that heaven manifests in Rapid City, South Dakota. Healing in Rapid City. Deliverance, abundance, and provision. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's stand. I gotta quit. I gotta quit. Oh, I feel like doing like my dad. Woo! That's how my dad preaches. I can feel that coming on. You guys are at men's retreat, you know, right? Man, I believe this. I believe this down to my bottom of my soles of my feet. You believe this. I know you do. It's who we are. Sean and Deanna believe this. They were here for a decade living this out, and they've gone beyond here carrying this same DNA with them everywhere they've gone. And God is bringing them back here so that we can not just redig something that happened before but so we fasten our hearts to a future that's brighter and bigger than anything we've known before your kingdom come your will be done heaven on earth amen if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ today is a great day to do it raise your hand real high if you need to do that today today is a great day surrender your life to Jesus Anyone need to do that before we leave this morning? That's where heaven first manifests, on the inside of you when you say yes to him. Anyone need to do that today? Oh, we don't want you to miss out. All right, we're gonna make this declaration of heaven on earth over this city, over this house. Will you just do this with me? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe we are transformed. We are transfigured just like Jesus reveal to us who we are we partner with you to manifest heaven on earth healing on earth deliverance on earth abundance on earth on this earth I pray it over my life my family, this church, the church in Rapid City, this city, this state, this nation, all of the nations of the earth,